and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. Well, we're in the middle of a series uh, that we'll wrap up next week, this, the Advent series. And I originally, you know, we were looking through, trying to think what we were going to call this and uh, ca- calling it Longing for the King. And, and I got there because of reading the Revised Common Lectionary Scriptures for Advent. I just read through them all, and there was a longing part of that the, the Israelites were longing for Jesus to come, but there's also a longing part for the second Advent, and that is that we would long for the Lord to return again, for his coming again. The king is coming again. And so week one, we talked about the promised king. And we talked about there how, how Israel was longing for the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the promised king, and, and why that Jesus stepping onto the scene and saying, the kingdom is here. Believe, repent, the kingdom is here. That why that only makes sense if it's a part of this king longing story of Israel. So it's one story of God through Israel, but for the nations. That's the story that we're a part of here. And then last week we talked about the incarnate king and talked about God in the flesh, right? That he came through Mary, son of man, but also the son of the most high God. Fully God, fully man, and that is just rich and we'll never get to the end of it and you can't leave that part out of the story it's just absolutely huge and so then this week we're talking about the coming king and the idea is for us to remember the second advent of the of the king and that he's coming again we're longing for him that jesus is the incarnate sanctified crucified resurrected ascended lord who's poured out his spirit and is coming again and this is our hope, uh, to redeem the world, to restore and renew, and to make things right. And again, uh, we are knowing this story, just we are living in it, we want to faithfully live and participate in this story as disciples of Jesus under his reign, and living lives that anticipate um, his coming, that uh, we say a signpost people, that we inaugurate what in, in the present what what is coming so we want to live lives that point to things being made right things being uh, loving and kind and forgiving and healing and loving our enemies and all of that we want to bring that future the coming future into the present does that make sense so we're we're a time travel people in that way um um i've got a weakness for time travel (laughs) stories and love stories you know just Especially if you mix those two, then, I, then that, that gets me and Kim in the same room for a, for a movie. She's not going to do the time travel without the love. Just the way it works. Okay, so today's passage, I'm going to be touching on a bunch of these different... Let me just say something about the common lectionary. So the reason we do this from time to time, we pick it up, and we follow the church calendar. So this is Advent. You know, and these different pieces, Lent's coming up, and these different uh, feasts and celebrations and things. Easter in the spring, it's early this year, at the end of March. Um, You know, Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, and then what's called Ordinary Time. We follow the church calendar. But churches all around the world 
follow this thing called the common lectionary. And so it's, it's like uh, Catholics do it for a lot, a lot of Protestant, Presbyterian, Lutheran, a lot of Baptists, Methodists, like tons and tons, millions and millions of people. And so we're kind of stepping in together when we read some of these passages together, especially during Christmas time. So that's what's happening. And today's, one of, one of the readings for today is Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. So if you would, stand up. And let's honor the reading of the word as we stand. Lord, open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. The spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is the word of the Lord. And we say, thanks be to God. Be to God. Amen. Have a seat. So Isaiah is... Uh, is uh, It just came off. Sorry, you guys. I tweaked my back this morning, and somebody went and bought me a, a little doodad, whatever you call those. And I guess sucking air into my lungs just whoosh, <laughs> popped it out. <sighs> so uh, yeah, I pray all the peeling prayers bring them. I just bent, I just I wasn't doing anything. Just bent over. Eek! I was like, oh no, Kim. Um, so Isaiah can be complicated, but it's basically broken down into three sections. And let's put it up, I just, just as a reminder here. Isaiah 1 through 39 is the vision of God and the coming king, and especially you see that highlighted in Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 11. And then 40 through, 40 through 55 is the promise of comfort, comfort, comfort my people, the promise of comfort and restoration. And then you see all those servant of the Lord passages. You see there's coming a servant of the Lord who's gonna be uh, work for God to bring about light and righteousness coming into the world. Isaiah 56 to 66 then is about Advent. It's about God coming into and bringing victory over the darkness. And if you remember, in week one, the passage was Isaiah 64, um, which it says, rend the heavens. Oh, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Restore your people. Make things right. And Jesus does come. And then Jesus at the baptism, literally, the heavens are rent. And the Father says, you are my son whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. And we got to see that, that passage then being fulfilled. Um, in week three, this week, it's, Isaiah 61, and Jesus reads this very passage in the synagogue in Nazareth and says, and this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isn't that wild? Just boom, mic drop moment. Scripture's fulfilled, and all of this is very Trinitarian because you've got God and the servant and the spirit being poured out, and we are now the spirit people 
The people who walk in the power of the Spirit and walk in the things that Jesus wants us to be walking in, to realize and to fulfill on planet Earth. It, but it did, here's the thing. It didn't take the form that they thought. It didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. And it often doesn't take the form that we think it's going to look like. It looks different sometimes and not the way we think, at least not in our own thinking. And that's the problem, right? It's the fall. It's, it does, God's ways aren't mine. And so we have to readjust to his ways. It seemed like Israel was asking, God, how, how is God going to restore, rescue Israel? But a better question might have been, how's God going to work through Israel to restore the world? And along the way, restore Israel as well. And we do the same thing. Even now, we'll say, well, how's God going to get human beings to heaven? When really, the question a better might be asked, how's God going to renew and restore the earth and in the process also renew and restore human beings in the way, in the, in the process of restoring all things to make all things right? So does that make sense? I'm asking, those are some uh, important theological questions. And here's the thing is, the shocking good news is that Jesus believes that we can follow him. That's right. That's good, Jacob. <laughs> just, just think about that. Jesus believes that we can, come, follow me. That's good. Fishermen, guys that work in advertising, guys that are just all different kinds of men and women, come, follow me. Come, and he, he believes in us. He believes that we can actually do this in the power of of his Holy Spirit, he's calling us not just to believe certain things and then go to heaven one day, but to follow him. Just think about that. He's, just, he's not just saying, hey, sign up on these 10 things and then you, you go to heaven one day. He's saying, I want you to follow me. Dallas Willard famously asked, what if all Christians became disciples? I just thought, what a great question. The world would be a different place. If all the Christians around the world became disciples of the one who laid down his life for the world. It's just a powerful thought to me. In his book, kind of famous book, The Great Omission, he's loaded title there. The great issue facing the world today, he says, with all its heartbreaking needs, is whether those who are committed, excuse me, identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. So, I mean, just think about that. Like, Jesus came to save us from sin, right? To save us out of something but not just out, but into. He, he came to save us out of sin. We normally think of that as like missing the mark about something. But what is that mark? Is it just moral perfection? Or is it something deeper that he's asking? John Mark Comer in his new book, Practicing the Way, asks about this question. What is the mark? He says, what if the mark is union with God? So missing the mark is not being in union with God or not living like we're in union with God. Isn't that powerful? 
just a powerful thought to me. What if it's, what if missing the mark is it's healing the, your soul through participation in the inner life of the Trinity? Come on, John Mark. Love that. What if it's adoption into the Father's new multi-ethnic family through the saving work of his son, Jesus? What if it's becoming the kind of person who is so pervaded by love and wisdom and strength that we have developed the capacity to eventually rule with Jesus over the cosmos itself? Come on. Um, so we're saved out of sin, out of brokenness, out of a life without union, into a life in union, into a life into the inner life of the Trinity. It's just, oh man, it's just wonderful. And so um, it's like God's got some stuff for us to do. It's not just, uh, if you can imagine your life, just your, Jesus came to save us, but it's not just to save us. So put the, this little diagram up. I use this from time to time just to explain God had a purpose for Adam and Eve. He had a purpose for humanity, and then we fell in the garden, and then God makes a way through the redemptive story to get us up to point D through the cross of Jesus Christ. But that is not the end. Just simply having your sins forgiven, as wonderful as that is, is not the end of the story. He wants us to mature and grow up unto full stature in Christ. Everybody good? So we, we've got it. We're on a journey. And it's not just, we're just checked off some boxes. We're growing up. I'm changing. I don't even think some of the things I used to think years ago. I mean, praise the Lord. I read, I was, for some reason, I saw a file inside my uh, uh, desk, and it said, it said pastoral letters. I had no clue what it was, and it was me writing pastoral letters to the church. It didn't have a whole bunch, but it had some, some from like 93, 94, 95, 96, these old letters. And I thought I only wrote one letter to the church about arriving on time. I actually wrote a bunch of those things. It's embarrassing, you know? I was like, what if you were, you know, going to meet with the president? You'd get ready, you'd be on time. And, and, and I just wrote that letter out and sent it to the church. Didn't do a thing. Not, not one thing. Didn't affect anybody. Everybody still came at the same time. We called it Christ, Christ Fellowship Time. It was like, like in another country or something, you know, just total different deal. But I, I wrote, I'll stop on the letters thing, just one, one more story. And uh, I wrote this, I read this, I read it to a few people in the office the other day. I was like, it's embarrassing. I was like, we were having a prayer meeting, and it was uh, life group leaders, and we were going to, I remember the original plan was to pray all night on a Friday night. And so I typed in, I'm reading this, it says, we're going to arrive at 730 then we're going to take a break at 11 for those of you who need to go. We, however, will keep praying led by the Holy Spirit until Jesus says it's time for us to end the prayer meeting, Luke 6, verse 12. <laughs> Aren't you guys glad that we, you, there's some mellowing that happens with age that looks a, more, a lot like love and compassion for one another? On a roll here. I know Yancey appreciates it. Yeah, I did that. So we're growing. My, my point is, we're not the same. We're growing up, right? Uh, go on to the next slide. So here's the thing. Jesus inaugurated a kingdom, and this is the common Jewish way of thinking. You think this age and the age to come, and they thought 
that the age to come would happen at the resurrection. What they did not anticipate, go ahead and hit that next slide, is that the, that the coming age would push back into this age. So this age is warfare, lust, oppression, injustice. The age to come is justice, things being made right, love, no more wars. And so we live in this in-between time in Christ where we are living to anticipate what's coming. We live in the in-between time. Theologians call this the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, right? So we're living in this time where we want to see healing. We want to see things made right. We want to see people loved. And I want to live in ways that creatively express that kind of life, right? That's, that's where this thing is, is going because one day he's coming again and all things will be, all the longings that we have for things to be made right, they will. War's over. Justice everywhere. Love happening the way God intended for us to love one another and care for one another and uh, do those things that, that help to make things right. So we're living, pointing at, with our lives and as a church and we do this together and so uh, the main thing I'm trying to say this morning and looking at these other passages is that Jesus is calling us to live as disciples who love, worship, and live in union with him as we anticipate the fullness of his reign on the earth. And guys, it's always together. It's always a together thing. It's not a us by ourselves. No matter how we heard that, it's always a together thing. You know, we, you, we are saved individually, but it's always saved together. It's a, it's a people, Jew, Gentile, the nations of the earth, the ethnic groups of the earth together in the body, one body of the Messiah, King Jesus, who is Lord of all. So let's, uh, how do we live while we wait for the coming king? And I'm just gonna, what I'm doing is just tying in some of these RCL, the, excuse me, sorry, uh, revised common lectionary passages. Um, isn't it funny how we all, just everything turns into an, ac an acronym and all, acronym and all those kinds of things. Um, but so anyway, uh, here we go. The first one, how do we live, is to trust in God's faithfulness. So this passage was from week one. Look over, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse four, which I don't think of, I don't know about you, mine, NIV says Thanksgiving over this paragraph. And I don't think of this as being a second coming passage, but it is. It's a second coming of Jesus passage. He says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge. God thus confirmed our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. So trusting in the faithfulness of God who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So from week one in the lectionary, how do we wait for the coming king? It's trust in God. Trust in God's faithfulness. I mean, and he's writing, he calls them saints, but he also says, you guys, this Corinthian crowd was a bunch of, uh, 
What's the word I want to use? <laughs> what, what word here? You were adulterers, drunkards, swindlers, cheats, liars. And that's what, that's what you were. But praise God for his grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he's going to keep us firm till the end as we eagerly await Jesus and blameless on the day of Christ. Isn't that good news? I mean, that's like really, really, really... Uh, really good news. Praise the Lord. So how do we live? And I'm just letting these passages speak for themselves. How do we live while we wait for the coming king? I did, I, I will say, I did look at um, uh, creating a timeline and actually identifying the actual date of his coming back, and I decided against that. <laughs> you guys thought, I, everybody's like, You know what? Most of the passages about the Lord coming again, they tell us how to live. It's like, okay, so since he's coming, live this life. Live a holy life. Walk with Jesus. And that's what we're saying. The, the second thing then, this is also from week one in the lectionary. How do we live while we wait for the coming king? Keep watch. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 13. Mark 13. <laughs> But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And so this is actually one of the words we, the, the, uh, the shepherds and wives, we've been just praying, seeking the Lord about 2023 20, and uh, wake up and keep watch. Watch and pray is a word we feel like the Lord's saying underneath that big banner word that we're going to be unpacking throughout the course of next year, uh, a multi-generational family on mission. That's the movement word. And I, I think that's also going to be an explosive word for us. There's just so much in that. It's not surprising, um, but I'm excited. And, and I, I want us to hear this word, whether you hear it as an encouragement or a warning, hear it. You know, watch out. Be awake. Wake up and pray and, and be, be alert. Uh, trim the wicks, like someone just said. Like, be ready, like those virgins. Be ready. Don't be caught off guard and live the life day after day. Be a follower day after day. Be awake day after day. Um, so, amen. The third passage, then, is how do we live while we wait for the coming king and this one is from last week. This is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and following. And it is, live holy and godly lives. That's good, right? That's good encouragement for us. So turn back to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 3, pretty famous passage on the Lord coming again. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Amen. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So the Lord is patient with us, and he wants everyone to know the good news. He wants everyone to put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior and King. And as we're doing that, he wants us then to be holy, to be live set-apart lives. Um, we talked about this last week, but it's not just, uh, it's not just a, I, I never sin or mess up, but it does have something to do with being set apart and being relationally connected to brothers and sisters. Holy, 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 because God in the incarnation in Jesus comes down and actually touches sinners. He lives among us. He walks among us. So that holiness, it's like, it's not that I can't ever be around people that are not completely pure and uh, like in a laboratory or something, like we have to wear a hazmat suit around or something. It's, it's, that's not it. It's live right lives, but don't just be a part of everything that's going on. Live in a way that is relationally right with the world around us, with one another. Live relationally right with each other. Love each other. Serve each other. Come under each other. Forgive each other. Somebody. Amen. So live holy and godly lives. Be conformed to the image of Christ. Live at peace with him. In this process, he wants salvation for the world. And then the fourth and final passage, how do we live while we wait for the coming king? This passage is actually from this week, week three. And I'm just saying, I'm calling it increasing and overflowing family love. That's how we live while we're waiting for the Lord, increasing and overflowing family love. The passage is from uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But I, what happened was for me, I started reading 1 Thessalonians. I, the passage was 5 right there at the end of the chapter, but it made me start reading 1 Thessalonians, and I was realizing this is one of the first letters written in the New Testament. Galatians and 1 Thessalonians, first couple letters written in the New Testament. And he's talking a lot about family. He's talking a lot about the Lord coming again. He's talking about, uh, we were like a mother showing compassion for our children. We were like a father who's exhorting, encouraging his sons and daughters to, to go in the way of the Lord. We were like that. 17 different times in 1 Thessalonians, he says, dear brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? 
It's like family, 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 and keeps talking about the Lord's coming again. What's our joy? What's our crown? What's our, our hope? And what gets us excited? It's in the Lord. When he comes, it's you. So, I mean, the way we live our lives and the, life, the way we affect people in our spheres of influence, it matters when the Lord comes again. In chapter 3, verse 12, he speaks this apostolic blessing over them. And again, this is like not a long time. So second missionary journey, I should have put the map up again. Second missionary journey, Paul goes around Asia, goes across over to Philippi, the Macedonian call. Then he goes Berea, Thessalonica, and then he goes down to Athens. And from Athens, he sends Timothy back to check on the guys in Thessalonica. And then Timothy comes back and he's writing this letter that fast. Like, that's when this letter is happening. And he's saying all this stuff about the, the Lord's coming and don't stop working just because you think the Lord's coming. You know, keep working. He's tell, have to, telling them that because they think it's imminent, his return. And listen to this blessing then in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And, and he goes on to say in chapter four, like live for God, live righteous lives for God, treat each other right sexually. Don't take advantage of each other, love each other as brothers and sisters together in the family of God. That's how he's calling us to live together. And he says, love one another. You've been taught by God to love one another. And then he gets to this, this section in chapter four where he says, uh, you're worried about those who've gone to sleep, but the Lord's gonna come back with a loud trumpet call, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will actually rise first. And then we, who are still alive, will rise to meet him in the air while he's on his way where? To a renewed earth, right? So I'm, again, I said I wouldn't get into all that, but I'm, there's a little bit right there for you from the end of chapter four. And what does he say then at the end of that? He says, therefore, encourage one another. This is chapter four, verse 18. Encourage one another with these words. Like, don't scare one another with these words. <laughs> encourage one another. Build each other up. As you, as you have a faith in your heart for the Lord coming and us being raised from the dead to live with him and to live on this renewed new creation, new heavens, new earth, the restored, the restoration of all things as uh, Acts chapter three, verse 21 says, this is how you live and encourage one another. And he goes on and he's in chapter five and he says, it's gonna come like a thief. So don't just, don't just be doing the things that, that messed up in our brokenness, we do at night, get drunk, carouse, that kind of stuff. Live in the light, that's what he says. And again, at the end of that section, he says, therefore, and whether we're awake or asleep, we live with him. He is our life. Therefore, again, at the end of that paragraph, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are in fact doing. So, um, I think I'm pretty much ready to read the passage now, which is, <laughs> just wanted to say those things. It, it helps. 
So the passage is actually 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and following, but I'm going to pick it up at the end of verse 13. And these are all, because Jesus is coming again, this is how you live. So just hear that. This is the answer to that. I can't make it much more practical. I'm not just, what if we just did this? Like, because Jesus is coming again, here we go, live in peace with each other. As Jesus is coming again, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, and can I just pause here? I, um, call each other brothers and sisters because that's what we are. We're in the family of God. It's not just some old Baptist thing or you know whatever you remember so-and-so called, brother so-and-so. But we actually, like, we mean this. We're in, we're in the family of God together. And in a lot of ways, it's almost more real than our nuclear families, depending on how broken your family situation or scenario, or if you had anything that was dysfunctional happen while you were a kid. That be anybody in here? Several of us. Um, love you guys, mom and dad. It's all right. Uh, I mean, we talk, to, we talk to Emily and Matthew all the time. We're so sorry. <laughs> As you're getting healing prayer for the different things that we did or didn't know, all that didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. Yeah. The, the older ones are nodding their heads more. <laughs> Young ones are like, I don't think I'm, we got it, we got it going. So brothers and sisters, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Work hard. Don't just kick back. Work hard. We warn those who are disruptive. Don't be disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. If you see somebody disheartened, encourage them. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Oh man, I do probably need to pause. Be patient. Take your patience to the road when you're driving out there. Pray for those who are riding your tail and just like in, that would drive 150 miles an hour, I guess, to get somewhere. Just, Lord bless them with patience. You just don't know what's going on. Just, you just don't know. Kim was, I, I read this verse yesterday and I was kind of going through some of this with Kim and or Friday, praise God. <laughs> um, but uh, I mentioned that patience thing. She said, Jamie, I, I remember this time at Kroger. There used to be a Kroger by our house and it was when they first introduced the uh, self-checkout thing and there was a guy, old guy up there and, uh, and somebody, like he could not figure it out. And so... Kim's in a long line, just waiting to get to that spot, and a guy in front of her goes, come on, old man. And then the lady that was just in front of him goes, this is ridiculous. So Kim told me the story. She said she went up, walked up to the guy, and she said, hey, can I, can I help you do this? He said, yes, my wife died a couple weeks ago, and she always did this, and I, I've never done this before. I'm really confused. Be patient. Amen. That's like a gear shifter, isn't it? Like, oh, okay, that's a, 
That's a, uh, I, maybe I don't understand what's going on. And that person drives by. I'd always tell this to the kids. You know, somebody drove by and flipped me off because I was driving too slow. Uh, what did dad call that? Carrying the cabbage? Or I never understood that. <laughs> it just seemed like a terrible... Oh, stop. Was... Okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I just always thought that was a strange way to move vegetables. <laughs> Now, some of you guys are like, is it okay to laugh in church? It is. It is. It's okay. We're humans having a real experience of life and grace together. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive. Just, yeah, right there that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do uh, what is good for each other and for everyone else. Here we go, and this is into the core of the common lectionary passage. Rejoice always. That's, here we go. Because Jesus is coming again, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, when we struggle, I don't know, what's God's will, what's God's will? You know, it's... This is part of it, right? Is that we would give thanks in all circumstances, knowing that this is his will. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Yeah, and, you know, Lord, when you're speaking, help us to not get smirky. Help us to not get skeptical. Help us to be sensitive to you and to test what you're, spe- you're saying and speaking to us as your people. Like the Spirit really is moving here. He, he's alive. He's moving. He's moving in our midst. And so we want to uh, test what the Lord is saying to us and how he's encouraging us. You know, like that wake up word. Lord, is that you? It seems like it might be, you know? Um, yeah, don't, don't treat it with contempt. Reject every kind of evil you know, things happen. We are exposed to things, uh, things that we choose, sometimes things we don't choose. But when that comes across or it's in our mind or in our hearts, we've blown it somehow, then we want to be quick to reject that. Like, Lord, I reject that. That thought's coming to my head right now. I reject that. Lord, I renounce that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, now, would you put your heart, your thought, what you want in my mind and in my heart and my soul, would you fill me up with what you have for me? Which is kind of the next passage there too. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. It's like you hear that promise again, work out what he's working in you. He's, gonna, he's working here, participate with him. Join him in, in faith and in walking this stuff out. May your whole spirit, that innermost part of you, the intuition, the wisdom, that part where you're fellowshipping with the spirit of God himself, just down in the deepest part of who you are, May your whole spirit, 
soul, your mind, will, emotions, all that you are. The, what's looking back at you when you look in the mirror? Your soul. May your soul be kept blameless. And may your body, your body, your physical body, may from the inside all the way out through my personality, our personalities, our persons, who we are, into our very bodies and into the world that we touch and have a say-so in, may it be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is faithful. Uh, He is faithful and he'll do it. You know, so basically what I'm saying is live this way by grace. Let's live like we want to see Jesus Christ again face to face. Let's live that way. Let's, let's, uh, you know, uh, some of you may be wondering why this chair is up here on the stage. This is literally out of my, uh, this is literally out of my uh, study at the house. And it stays set up all the time. And, uh, a few months ago, I read a book called What If Jesus Were Really Here? And he was like in this novel, and he was with these people, appeared to these three different people, and, but he eventually starts teaching them that he's going away, but he's, he's left his spirit. And so he was sitting with them, and then one day, he wasn't there, and his, uh, he encouraged them to leave a chair set up, and, or they came up with that idea themselves, maybe. But after I read that, I thought... I'm setting up a chair, and there's not one time I don't walk into my study. There's not one time I don't walk by in the hall like, Jesus, and, and just recognize the presence of Jesus is with me, you know? And sometimes, I'm not gonna do it right now, but sometimes I'll even just sit down in the chair, you know, and just go, Lord, I'm, I'm in Christ. You know, and this is just really practical for recognizing his presence. He's with us. And we've read lots of exhortations, encouragements, warnings, but it's all centered around trusting in the Lord who is ever present with us, but is also coming again to make things right and to renew all things. Sometimes we feel good about how we're doing it. Sometimes we don't feel good about how we're doing it. Sometimes we mess it up and blow it up. Somebody out there. Sometimes we feel stuck. But like I said at the beginning, it's really good news. God believes us. He, he believes in us. He believes that we can follow him. Yeah. That, he's, that we can be people that are being shaped into his image. I, I just recently was reflecting on, anybody ever see that movie, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo with Jim Caviezel? Uh, and just thinking back on that, so it's uh, Edmund Dantes, that's the character he plays, and Richard Harris plays this uh, priest that's in the cell kind of beside him and they work out a scheme to, get, to break out of this jail. Both of them are unjustly and wrongly in prison. It's just a powerful story. It's easier to watch the movie than it is to read the 1,600-page book. <laughs> I did look it up yesterday. It's 47 hours. You can check it out from uh, the audible version of that. 47 hours. Ooh, I just got older thinking about it. But... Uh, but, but uh, Father Abe Faria tells Dante's, don't use the treasure, they, they this incredible treasure, don't use the treasure for vengeance. He says, for God said, vengeance is mine. And Dante's just quickly said, I don't believe in God. And then the, the 
priest, just in a heavy kind of moment in the movie, looks over at him and says, it doesn't matter. He believes in you. And I just thought, man, what a line. What a line for God saying, you don't have it together. And we were all, we all started at someplace enemies and God 2,000 years ago comes in Jesus Christ and says, I believe that you can be my followers. I believe that God can work through all of the brokenness and the stuff and the junk that he believes that we can become like him in the power of the spirit. And he's not far away. And so much of this, you guys, is about relationships. It's about being family together, even when it's messed up. And he's calling us to that, that kind of life because Jesus is coming again. The king is coming again. We long for him. We long for his appearing, Lord. And, and I just want to call us even to a fresh sense of longing because he, when he comes, he's going to make things right. And what's still not right in us is going to be made right. And we are going to become like him when we see him. Amen. Maranatha. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. You guys stand up. And I, I just, the thing I started with, as the band's coming up and uh, ministry team, go ahead and come up. If you're new or visiting to the, with the church, we always do this at the end of every message because it's just a time to respond uh, to the Lord. Sometimes in prayer, just like this, wonderful things can happen. And the first thing I want to call you to is if you would say you're a Christian but really haven't become a follower of Jesus, then come and get prayer. Let's put Let's, let's put it in the ground today. To be a disciple of Jesus, that's always the call from Jesus to us is to follow him. Not just believe things about him, but actually come with him. And he, he believes in us. He believes we can follow him. So he's inviting us to do that, to be covered in the dust, as it were, of our rabbi, to follow close behind Jesus. So if that's you, come and get prayer. And if there's a yes in something I've been saying today, please come and get prayer. Or if there's a challenge to your heart about something, like come and get prayer. And if there's other things that we talked about, about family or love or healing or forgiving or living just in the light of his coming. And as always, you guys, uh, and I, I'm, I'm with you today. If you need healing, come and get prayer. God heals. And so we live in the in-between, the now and not yet. But man, we're praying and believing about a time that's coming in fullness where that full healing will be there. So if you need healing, come and get prayer. And as always, if you have any other need, let's just pray. Let's spend some time. We've got time here. Spend a little time pressing into the Lord. Father, meet us today. We love you. We long for you. Lord Jesus, just pour out grace right now to live in the light of your coming. Thank you, God, that you're faithful to keep us blameless to the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, let love increase just exponentially right now in this room. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come and get prayer, you guys. Let's press in.